and maybe a notepad and a pen and some orange juice. I'd go where I had no cell phone signal. How many of you just think that would freak you out? No cell phone signal, but I loved it. Yeah, that would freak you out, honey, right? So, but, uh, so I would, uh, and I would just have a quiet time, just kind of clear my head, spend some time in prayer, and uh, work at getting to know Jesus personally, not just to know about him, but to know him personally. And uh, sometimes I'd just sit there for an hour and just enjoy the clouds and the breeze and, and the birds flying by, whatever. But this one day, I was starting up the mountain. I'll never forget. I could show you right where I pulled over. This is about 10 years ago. I started driving up the mountain, and I've, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me and speak to me. How many of you know what I mean by that? I didn't hear audible words, but I knew it was an impulse and a message from the Lord. And it was this. He said, I want you to pull over, park the car and uh, get your notepad and pen ready to write. I got something I want to tell you. So the first turnout I had, this is a windy, steep mountain, I pulled over, got my pen and pencil out, and I want to share with you what, what the Lord spoke to me because after he spoke this to me and I was, was absorbing what he had said, I said, Lord, can I share this with others? And he said, absolutely, because this is how I feel about every one of my children. And it went like this. He said, before the foundation of the earth, before any creation, I had designed you. I had purposed your life. I knew who your parents would be. I knew where you'd be born. I knew what personality you would have. I knew what your interests would be and what your talents would be. And the Lord said, I want you to know there's only one you, John. There's Never has been another John like you, and there never will be another John like you. And the purpose I have created for your life, only you can fulfill. And he said, and I'm thinking, well, man, I, you know, I got my problems. And I mean, how could God really, I mean, I knew he loved me, but, but I'm, I'm thinking of all the reasons maybe why this shouldn't be true. And he said, look, I knew all the sins that you would commit before you were ever born, I also knew that you would come to my cross and accept the cleansing of the blood of the Lamb and receive the Holy Ghost, and you would walk on in my purposes for you. So he said, so I want you to relax and rest in the fact that there are no contenders or competitors for you and your place in history, your purpose. No contenders and no competitors, just you. And the Lord Jesus looks down on you today and he says, that's, that's for you. That's for you to hang on to. And so as we talk about legacy, I just wanted to, to set that foundation because at LifePoint, we have values. And we, you've been teaching them here. And uh, Pastor Mike and others have been teaching them in the Sunday services. But uh, we want to talk about the value of legacy. And values matter. I've got a couple of definitions here just for us to set the, the stage, but values are a person's principles or standards of behavior, one's judgment of what is important in life. What you think about, what you look at, what you talk about, what are your values, what is most important to you? And we value legacy, that somehow our lives day by day, from young person to older person, I was your age at one time, it was a long time ago, but I can remember very clearly sitting in a youth group about this size, 
and uh, worshiping Jesus like you do and someone preaching the word and, and often as you do, coming forward to pray and just say, God, I just keep coming to you because I want everything you have for me. I want to have a clean, open heart with you. And uh, through the years, God has directed my life, I think, because I, like so many of you, just keep coming back to him. So you have a whole lot of life ahead of you and legacy uh, I just pray that it'll be really foremost in your mind as you know that day by day decisions you make are going to be building something that will last and will touch a lot of other people for good and for the, for the glory of the Lord. So a godly legacy is not the things we leave behind. In the culture, it's like someone says, boy, did he get a legacy. Someone left him two houses paid off and a $100,000 note and, you know, and all this stuff. That was a real legacy. But godly legacy is not things that we leave behind, but the memory of how we chose to lead our life. The legacy is the memory of how we chose to lead our life. Legacy is the life of Christ within us, and through us, passed on to others in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just pray, Lord, just let legacy be planted deep in each one of your hearts today, uh, knowing that uh, just little by little, step by step, cooperating with Jesus, and some strong things are happening that you might not even sense at that moment in your life. So the legacy you leave is the life you lead. Now, I want to read a portion of Scripture to you. And uh, it's kind of exciting. In Deuteronomy, way back, um, there's, God's talking about how to have a blessed life. How many of you like to have a really blessed life? Most of you do already. But he wants to bless you even more. So how do I have a really blessed life? So Deuteronomy 28.1 says this. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep his commands, that means you're going to be someone... I can tell you this, and I'll massage this point home before I'm done in the next few minutes. But this is the most important thing you can do every day is to read this Bible and ask God to talk to you through and to pray. It sounds so simple. Well, there's lots of good books to read. There are. But read this Bible and pray to the Lord every day. That's how legacy is built, line on line. That's how God brings us back when we're going astray. That's how he comforts us when we're, when we're hurting. And, and that's how he guides us when we don't know what the next step is. So, so the uh, writer here is saying this, Moses, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commandments that I'm giving you today, your God, the Lord your God, will set you high Above all the nations of the world, you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Here's the legacy starting to build. Watch this build. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's kind of neat, isn't it? Uh, in one translation, it says, the blessing of God will run after you. It'll tackle you. It'll get you down on the ground and it'll just infuse you. Imagine you're just living your life and blessing is chasing you. Ah, trying to get away from you. You can't. He tackles you, pulls you down and says, you are blessed. I'm getting excited about this and I hope you are too. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They'll attack you from one direction, 
but they'll scatter from you in seven. I love that. They're coming at you, and all of a sudden, boom, they're given seven different directions, and none of them have touched you. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord, your God, will bless you in the land he is giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land. He swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you'll never need to borrow from them. If you listen to the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You'll always be above and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. So, all kinds of blessing for those that seek the Lord, and they build a legacy in their life by doing that. So at LifePoint, we place great value on legacy. Our mission is not complete until we've passed the baton of faith leadership and ownership to the next generation. A verse that I claimed as one of my life verses, I have a few of them, but it's one that I keep with me all the time, I've memorized it, is this. It's Psalm 71, 17, 18, but David speaking, and, and it's... Uh, it's called the musing of an aging man. I happen to be an aging man, and I happen to do some musing now and then. And uh, as he was musing, he said, he, said, um, he said, Since my youth, O God, you have taught me. And I can say that. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous works. Do not forsake me, O my God, even when I'm old and gray. <laughs> he says... Uh, do not forsake me until I have declared your power to this generation, your might to the generation following. You know, young people, it's a real deep cry of my heart that God will, will show his power. I want to be a part of imparting his power to the youth. He said that we'll declare your power to this generation and the generation following. This generation could be my generation. Let's say the 50 and over. But then he wants to do the same for the one years old and over. You know what I'm saying? The, the younger people, too. So God's got his eye on you, and he's got a good plan for your life. Absolutely. So that's my life verse. I want to tell you a brief story, and then we're going to cover a couple of points here, and then we'll wrap it up. My uh, parents, uh, when Jan and I got married uh, 55 years ago, my parents, shortly after that, sold their house. My dad quit his job. And mom and dad and five kids still at home, I'm the oldest of, of seven, uh, they bought this old car and they loaded it up with everything they could put in there and they went out just traveling around parts of Canada just preaching the gospel. They'd get a little money and they'd rent a, a building and they'd go around town and say we're having a meeting. And uh, I want to tell you something, I kind of thought they were crazy seven people in this car. Sometimes they slept in it two or three nights in a row and they ate peanut butter and jam sandwiches out of the trunk. And, uh, but they kept going and preaching and it looked absolutely ridiculous. But I'm going somewhere with this when it comes to legacy. But they would, 
they, they would, uh, eventually they got to a place where they could uh, afford uh, a, a tiny little house. Listen to this. They bought a two-bedroom house with a, it was a kitchen, two bedrooms, and an outside toilet. Do you remember though? There always used to be like a little shed out there. When it's 30 below, they're not fun, let me tell you that. But uh, so they had a place they could kind of put their stuff, and they got a tent, and they'd travel all over and set the tent up and hold revival meetings. And, and I can tell you that over their lifetime, thousands of people came to faith in Jesus. There were healings. There were miracles that happened. But they, they took this step of faith, and... Uh, they didn't realize it at the time, I don't think, but they were building quite a legacy. They were living for something beyond money and the comforts of this life. And uh, after a while, I didn't figure them crazy anymore. I figured I was crazy for seeking security more than I needed to. But uh, so one of the things we want us to, to look at today is, and our purpose for having this particular teaching session is, we as a church want to create spiritual environments um, that captures the heart of this generation. And how many of you would just give a big amen here after what I'm going to say right now? How many are glad that you have leaders in, in the youth ministry that are doing everything to create an environment for you to encounter God in worship, in the word, in camps, in conferences, in uh, small groups, just in having fun getting out and do the whatever it is, invade the parking lots, whatever you do. But spiritual environments that capture the heart, but the young and the old too. We just had a breakfast last week with a whole bunch of 55 plus, and we had a lot of fun, and we had uh, a good table discussion, we had prayer. and uh, so. But we want to create spiritual environments that capture the heart. I can tell you that over my long life now, uh, many, many times I... We'd be always be at youth group, it'd be in church, there'd be conferences, there'd be revival meetings, and we were always going and doing something where we were exposed to the presence of God and to people that were going the same direction in their life. And so we provide these things and want you to participate in them uh, every chance you get, because this is one of the keys to creating a legacy that will, that will make a difference in people's lives for the rest of your life and beyond. Next thing is we want to make sure that all of us really knows God. I alluded to that a little earlier saying it's, we can know a lot about God but not really know him. And there are certain things we can do to actually know him, to hear his voice, his presence. And some of it is we just have to be maybe a little less connected to uh, social media. And I'm not just saying that because I'm old and I don't know how to do it. I'm just saying um, <laughs> someone, sent, someone sent me an email and it was, uh, it looked like a bunch of college students at Niagara Falls, and they were all looking down at their phone, and there's these majestic falls, you know. Others were at the Louvre, and the Mona Lisa was there, and they're all looking down at their phones. But anyways, you know what I'm saying. God wants our attention. And uh, go ahead and have fun on your devices, but put Jesus first. But uh, that we might really know the Lord. I've had encounters in my life where, Maybe after a time of fasting or, or a time of being away or maybe sometimes just out of the blue in a church service, I'll just all of a sudden, God, I know you're real and I know you're here. I was so sick one time. I was about 13 years old, 14. I had strep throat and all sorts of stuff going on. My fever was up to about 104 and I was laying on the couch and the room was turning and 
It was a Sunday night. My dad came home from church. I'm just telling you this because these points, we need to know God, and this generation needs to know what God has done, that he's still a powerful God. So he came in, and he came over to me. My dad was very fiery. At least he'll tell you her grandpa. He was quite a character. But um, he was, uh, he'd come back from church, and he was all revved up. And so he looked at me. He said, John, it's time for you to get healed. And I'm just, uh, you know. And uh, so he had a quick talk with the devil and a talk with Jesus. He said, Satan, this is not your property. This is my son, and he's a child of God. And he said, I'm just telling you to get out of here. And he said, Father, in the name of Jesus, right now. And he put his hands on me. He said, be healed. Fever be gone. Swelling be gone. Everything be gone. And, and I sat up, and the fever was gone. And my neck, which had been as, almost as wide as my whole head, instantly was back to normal. I hadn't eaten in days. My mom made me scratchy bacon, eggs, and toast, and I swallowed it down my miserable throat that was completely healed. And I went up to my room, and for about three hours, I knelt by my bed, and I sobbed because I knew there's a living God. There is a living God in heaven, and he likes me, and he likes you. Amen. So, Psalm 145.4, one generation shall declare your works to another and declare your mighty deeds. So this generation, speaking to that generation about one of the mighty deeds that I have seen in my life. The scripture in Judges 2.10 says this, After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not know the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. And we're saying that's not going to be the case at life point. We're not going to have a generation coming up that doesn't know the Lord or know his mighty deeds. And uh, young people, you have the power to shape the future. Every department, every, uh, every place of employment, every career needs young people like we have in this room that love God, that are smart, and that are staying away from all the garbage that tears people down in the world. And uh, you're going to be more and more sought after and higher and higher wages too because really good people are hard to find, right? <laughs> and so uh, we just commend you. I wanted to uh, just uh, share something with you. Jesus, and if you're, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down quickly. We don't, I don't think we have it on the projector. But Jesus, I just want to look at Jesus' example for a few minutes. Have I got a few more minutes, Josh? Yeah. He told me to take as long as I wanted, so <clears throat> tomorrow's your last day of school. You don't have to be home till midnight, do you? <laughs> Jesus' legacy, very, very briefly. What, what did Jesus look like? What, what did he, how did he live his life so that he made such an impact? First of all, he was a humble man. Born in a manger. Herod trying to kill all the boys because he'd heard of Jesus. The Pharisees trying to kill him his whole ministry. He was a dependent man. He said, I don't do anything but when my father leads me and shows me and empowers me. He was humble. He was dependent upon the Lord. He was proven. The devil came to him and gave him all these temptations, all the wealth of the world, and he resisted on every point. He was proven to be a follower of Christ. He was a focused man. He knew that he was going to the cross. He knew that he was going to die and rise again. He knew that he would become the sacrifice, and nothing kept him from that vision. At one point, 
because he was a tested man. One point he said, Father, if there's any way this cup can pass from me, please. But if not, not my will, but yours be done. He had a legacy because he was humble, dependent, proven, focused. He was a patient man dealing with his disciples and all of their nonsense. It says in though, even though they, they tried his patience, he loved them to the end. Isn't that the neat thing about Jesus? And he was a faithful man, the son of God. He said, Father, I finished the work you gave me to do. One of my other life verses is found in Acts 24. My life means nothing to me unless I use it to finish the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. That work is to tell everyone the good news of the wonderful grace of God. So we have Jesus. One solitary life. I want to read this to you. This is written in 1926 by James Allen. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never went to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was, when he was only 33, his friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. And went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And while dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he owned on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today Jesus is the central figure of the human race. Can I hear hallelujah? He's, this, he's inescapably the central figure of the human race. He's the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life, the legacy of Jesus Christ that we all participate in today. He wrote, more songs have been written about him, more books, more sermons, more poems, more artwork has been done uh, regarding Jesus than anything else on the planet. So legacy. I don't know if we have that, uh, that picture up there or not, but I just want to finish the story I started to tell you about mom and dad. That was taken, uh, let me see, 76 years ago, the year before I was born. But um, as they traveled, I told you, they eventually got out of that old uh, Ford Falcon car and they got a van and they got a tent and they began to travel. God began to open up doors for them. They built orphanages in Haiti and in, in Africa and in India. They planted churches after my dad passed away. We went and spoke at a a uh, pastor's conference in India, 120 pastors that dad had led to the Lord and helped them build churches in India and Africa and Haiti. And uh, I just wanted you to know that um, there's a legacy. What started out to be just struggle, struggle, struggle left a legacy. My great-great-grandfather was an Orthodox Jew. 
My grandfather became a born-again Christian after the First World War. He led my dad to the Lord and all of that family. And uh, my dad led us and all six kids in our family to the Lord. And now my children, Elisa and John Z, and grandchildren, Macy and Grant and Jaden and others, that there's, there's something, and I want to tell you something. I'm, I'm telling you all this great stuff, this legacy, but you need to hear this too. None of us is perfect. We've all stumbled and fell. One of the things you have to remember when you're building a legacy, it's not whether you fall or fail. It's whether you get up and hang on to Jesus or not. That's what makes all the difference. I think I'm finished. Lord, I thank you so much for these young people, Lord. And I sense it's so easy to talk to them because I sense they have hearts that hunger. They have hearts that are like a sponge just soaking up your truth and your goodness. Lord, I just pray a mighty covering over each one of them today, Lord, and that they'll keep in mind that day by day, hour by hour, as they live their life, Lord, I pray you guide their steps. Protect them, Lord. They all have big decisions ahead. One of these days, there'll be decisions already. There's decisions about careers, decisions about dating or marriage, all these things. I pray, Lord, that they'll hang on to these things, that all their life, they will love the scriptures, the holy word of God. All their life, they will love the church. That they'll not forsake your house. All their life, Lord, they will face you and seek you. And, Lord, that you'll bless them. Lord, you said that uh, you grant us the desires of our heart if we keep our focus on you. Let your blessing flow in each one, I pray in Jesus' name.